Hey guys, it's Bert. Happy this week of your life. I want to thank everyone for all the amazing feedback on the Rolling Stone article I read last week. If you haven't checked it out, last week, sorry that's an update, last week I read the Rolling Stone article that was written about me in 1997. Uh, Some people complained that the end wasn't there. I reposted the end. It's on my podcast list, so you just go get it there. But thank you so much. I also want to thank everyone that subscribed to my YouTube channel. I've been working really hard on my YouTube channel. If you want to find my YouTube channel, go to BertBertBert.com. It's in the top right-hand corner. Click on the YouTube button. I posted the funniest video I've probably ever done where I accidentally buy a calf in Texas. I did a vlog. I did a seated vlog. I jump off the world's tallest rope swing in South Africa. I get a Vietnamese ear cleaning in Vietnam. Uh, My audition is Gandalf for Peter Jackson's on there. It's a great, I'm putting up a lot of videos, so check them out. And as always, if you type in Isla in that, you'll get hilarious videos. Um, I want to take one second real quick to talk about a guy who's reached out to me, and he's not paying me for advertising, but I like what he's doing, and I believe in him, and uh, and I dig his app. He's got an app called Jimster. Jesus, let me hope I got that right. He's got an app called Jimster. (laughs) Thank God. Jim, as in G-J-Y-M-S-T-E-R. It is on iTunes. It's like a buck, but it is entrenched in workouts. Super awesome, super customable. He sent me a free one. Quite honestly, I ended up buying it because I was I was like, oh, the guy's you know, doing it. But he's trying to do this on his own, man. He's been listening to the same podcast we've been listening to, and they changed his life, and he decided to do something different. His name's Mark. And he made this app, and he just wants to do what he wants to do, and love his chick. Uh, he lives in London. Yes, you can have that baby. Um, so check out Jimster. There's no promo code. He just emailed me and said, you know, I'd love to get in touch with some people. And I thought, why not send some cool people to his app for free for him? So check it out. It's called Jimster. You can customize your workouts if you're like me and you're on the road and you're in a hotel gym all the time. And you only have limited weights. You can. It really does help out. And I do use it. So uh, check it out. That's it for ads. I'm in uh, the Comedy Factory in Baltimore, October 22nd, 23rd, 24th. I'm in Dayton, uh, November 6th, 7th, and 8th. And I think I'm going to try to bang out some a one person, like a one-night show in Austin. I haven't talked to them yet, but it may be November 10th or 11th. So, uh, probably November 10th. I haven't talked to them, though. But hit up Cap City and tell them you want me to come. Uh, today's podcast is really great. I've been, I'm going to defend this podcast tonight. I do the typical bird thing. And, like, for the first 20 minutes, we share stories. And I kind of, I, I overwhelm the podcast. Thank you, baby. Is this one caramel? Um, I overwhelm it a little bit. But then that stops. And my guest today talks extremely honestly about his life that I was unaware of, and I've known this guy for a very long time. I've been a fan of his for even longer than I've known him. Uh, And it gets really good, man. It is really good, and you realize just how deep this dude is and the kind of hardships he grew up with. And you you think you know someone, and you have no idea. I think that's, oddly, oddly, I think that's a promo for MTV, which is a fitting introduction from this guy. You might know him from Road Rules, Season 9. He's a stand-up comedian. He was on Reality Bites Back with me and Amy Schumer and Mo Mandel and Donnell Rollins and Red Grant and Chris Fairbanks and Kyle Sees, and we talk about that. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for an amazingly 
fantastically fascinating interview with Theo Vaughn. How do I that was the button? This is five. Hello? Hello? Okay, go ahead. Hello? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. So um and that's recording and we're recording. Yeah, Bill and Al came over and talked to me about it and it was just it was just the I mean it was just for it was it felt fair. You know, I'm not saying that any other the networks aren't fair, but like I know that you know, like Bill and Al's big thing was if we do happen to sell this for a ton of money, you're getting a cut. Right. Like you're not, not getting you're not getting screwed out of this. So that Right, you're not helping build the brand and not getting And then anything. and then Bill and Al walk away with fat fucking paychecks. Now having said that, Bill and Al Bill and Al are the only ones that are funding this fucking thing. <laughs> I mean, Bill is 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 single-handedly keeping this uh, our podcast network alive because when we need shit like a studio, Bill just does a show, yeah, and then gives all the money to the fucking Bill network. Simmons. Yeah, <laughs> who Bill, is it? Bill Burr. Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill Burr is. I mean, and, and that's probably not fair to say because I know that when we do, well, sometimes we'll do ads and they'll ask us to donate some of our revenue. Whatever we wanted to, to donate to the net to the network, and we always donate the most, right? More probably usually double than whatever they're asking, and we all do stuff to help out the network. But it's uh, it's a it's cool. I don't I you love know, Bill Burr. Yeah, Bill's fucking. I mean, I've known Bill for a really long time, and he he's just one of those like super solid guys that doesn't that. mean to has no interest in fucking you over. I remember. Well, I, I've always been a big fan, and uh, the other. A couple months ago, he was. I had to go on before him at this big theater, and I did well. And I got off stage, and I turned around this curtain, and he was right there. And he was like, "Good job, man." Yeah, but you're actually killing it right now on stage. You've grown so fucking much. I'm. Thanks, I was man. really fucking blown away because I think, and I say, I'm not. Yeah, I don't need to candy coat anything with you because I'm gonna. I'll just go back because a second because I think you've kind of outgrown it to the point that people probably don't even know. But I mean, like I, I told you this when I first met you. I was a fan of you on Road Rules. Yeah, I was a. Re- I thought you should be a comic when I first saw you on Road Rules. Do you remember t- me telling you that story? Yeah, I remember you telling me your wife thought I was cute. Yeah, <laughs> she definitely thought you were. Not offense that I didn't hear what you said, but I mean, like, you know, I was a I was a twenty two year old kid. I was like, ah, no, um, that's more exciting. You, know? you, uh, you did that thing where you guys all walked from on that on that that balance beam from Air Balloon. Yeah, to Air that's the first thing I ever did on there. When the kid was freaking out, that one kid. Who's like the all American kid? Yeah, you're like kind of. The, and he was like, "Guys, seriously, I'm really nervous. No one make any jokes." And they were like, "What was his name?" James. They're like, "James, you're up next." And you went, "Dead man walk." <laughs> well, I honestly was, thought he was going to die. He it was, was bow legged too, and only one leg. Interesting. He only had one leg. No, he had two legs, but one of his legs was bow legged, <laughs> which is very rare. Yeah, <laughs> but it's extremely. I, but rare. I saw. I I told you I was like. Dude, I, when I first saw you on Road Rules, I thought you should... Because I was obsessed with Road Rules. I was really obsessed with Road Rules. It was Rules. a good show, man. They made, they made a good show for a long time. A really long time. And, and then I got to say that challenges were really good. Yeah. And, you, and I, I even would argue that that was what made you and Amy so good when we did Reality Rights Bites Back. Yeah. Because you guys were so used to the challenge part, you didn't, it didn't fuck with your head. Right. Like, it fucked with, it fucked with my head. It fucked with Red's head. Oh, it fucked yeah. with Carl Cease's head. And oh, I think yeah. drove him out of stand-up, to be dead honest with you. 
Oh, you think that drove him out of stand-up? Oh, well, I well I do remember how great because it was that first moment where somebody could be eliminated. Yeah, and he was like the he was the guy that got eliminated. He was for those of you who don't know, Theo and I were on a TV show called Reality Bites Back. Reality Bites Back was a great cast: uh, Bert, Donnell Rawlings, Amy Schumer, Mo Mandel, Red Grant. Um, Kyle Sees, Kyle Jeff Sees, Garcia, who left right away. Jeff Garcia, who left right away. Chris Fairbanks. Chris Fairbanks. Um, I think that's it. That might be it. Yeah, and and uh, but if we all thought we were coming in to play like a joke thing, and then they like secluded us. Yeah, and they were like, "Oh, this is a contest." And then we realized we're. I want to. I want to. I, I always jack the number up because I don't remember. But once it was like fourteen grand an episode, it was something ridiculous. Seventy five hundred an episode we got, se- which was crazy money then. Yeah, it was crazy money. It still is. It I mean, still 70, is good money. Seventy five hundred an episode is not bad money. Like no, not now. And so, um, and I remember, so I remember Donnell was like. Donnell and Red. He was trying to buy his mom like a new heart or something, wasn't he? <laughs> I don't think so. Well, he's told me he was. Really? Yeah, he secretly told me at like a private meeting. Oh, is that the first elimination I when you had to pick yeah, someone? I think he just tried to keep him on. He said his mom needed a new whatever you get from diabetes when you're black. I don't know what that is. <laughs> that ruins your liver, I think. Oh fuck. Um, but she didn't. It was a lie. Yeah, it was yeah. a great lie. Uh she but yeah, you uh you won the first challenge and you had to vote someone off. And you had to pick who went home. It was Kyle Cease. Yeah, and you picked Kyle Cease. And Kyle was like, he had made hats for every week. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the hardest I've ever laughed. And it's what I miss about hanging out with black comics was fucking breaking balls. But do you remember Kyle Cease? He had made hats for every week. It, was, oh it said God. week one, week two, week three, week four, week five, week six, week seven. Oh, my God. And he had like a bag of hats. And, uh... And he was going to wear them on the show. Oh, and do you remember God. he walked up the first day and he had his week one hat <laughs> on? And Donald Rollins goes, that's right, son. You are the week one. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking, that was. Donnell's the funniest. Can you believe the talent that they had on that show? Whoever cast that should cast everything. Yeah. Well, there was the people that cast Biggest Loser. Some of the most talented. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not even including myself, but that's some of the most talented comics that I know. And the funniest. I mean, Mike I Lee think you and Donnell Rawlings are, some, are two of the funniest comics that I have always ever thought. And, yeah, the rest of that crew, all amazing. We laughed hysterically. I mean, I, we laughed off camera more than on camera. On camera, the show was so manipulated that we didn't get a chance to be absolutely hilarious. But, uh, but, I, it, but I remember laughing. I remember going in thinking you you were like, oh, yeah, I know Theo from Road Rules. I loved him in Road Rules. And and I had heard you were getting into comedy, and then I was like, oh, cool. You had done, like, Last Comic Standing yeah. three or something yeah. or four. Yeah, it was the one with uh, Josh Blue. Yeah, and so I'd, I was like, oh, cool. He's getting into comedy. And I wouldn't, we didn't do any comedy. No one saw anyone's comedy. Mm-mm. But you were so fucking funny hanging Thanks, out. Man. Like, me, you. I mean, I remember my I had two crews of people that I hung out with exclusively. It was either Red and Donnell, or it was like you and Amy and Fairbanks. Yeah, and like, and I I, I would go or or like, but like that was it. Like who I loved being around. Like I loved being around Donnell because I used to party with Donnell in New Orleans. He's or in so a, funny. In New York. He's so funny. He's he's so funny on like a effortless, not trying to be funny. Have you, <laughs> have you seen his baby? Uh, I've seen pictures. Yeah, I did see pictures. I had, he showed me of pictures of his baby. baby throwing deuces. I didn't see the deuces. Oh my god, his babies. He's, he loves that kid. But he's such an interesting person because I always say this. Do you remember the time he told Mo, Mel, Mo Mandeli wasn't funny? Mm-mm. You don't remember this? Mm-mm. 
We're in a van. We're on a van. We're on the 101 by the Universal Sheridan. Yes, and Donnell been reading the newspaper. Yeah. I do remember that. And Mo was cracking jokes. Donnell's sitting in the front seat, and Mo's like first row. I'm behind him with Amy and Donnell. And you, and I think it was Amy and you and Fairbanks are right behind me. And Donnell and Mo's running bits, running bits. Oh yeah. And Don, that's something black comics <laughs> fucking hate. <laughs> you do not run bits by a black comic. Just do your shit, shit on stage. Yeah. And Donnell said, Mo. Has anyone ever told you you're funny? And we started, we just like grabbed our seats. And Mo was like, yes. And he goes, who? And he goes, my mom. And we fucking lost it. He's like, Mo, I don't think you're funny. I don't think you should be a comedian. It was, I laughed so hard on that set. I remember, I remember, and I remember we were, we all had such a tight bond. And towards the end, it was like me, you, Red, Donnell, Amy, Fairbanks, I think that was it, really. It was, it was our, fun. We had a really tight bond. And that Mike Lee and Black would show up. And I remember him being wide-eyed, just listening to us fucking destroy him and each other. <laughs> and I became friends with Mike Lee and Black from that. Like, Did I, you? Yeah, yeah. I, I That's still text awesome. back and forth him. to them or tweet. The, um, the talent that came through that show, Lunell came through and was a guest. Lavelle Lun- Crawford. I ran into Lunell at Montreal. We, she just did our podcast. She just did a, uh, my podcast, Oh, I actually. fucking love Lunell. She's nuts, I dude. love Lunell. She's marrying like a Frenchman or something. Yeah, she yeah, said. yeah. As soon as her divorce goes through, she's <laughs> Fucking Lunell's the best. I fucking, she, I thought she hated me, and I got naked with her in a tub. Oh, I got, well, you got naked in the tub, too. It was <laughs> me, you, and Red. Remember that? Fuck <laughs> no, I don't. Dude. Yes, you do. We we were up for elimination. Me, you, no, no, we had gotten granted immunity on the banana oh, challenge. Yeah. Talk about racist. They have we- pictures <laughs> of you, Lunell's face, open mouth, and we had to put bananas in it. Yeah, fucking bananas in it. Like, it had her looking, like, and we were just shoving bananas down her throat, and we got immunity, and our prize was we got to take a bath with Lunell. Yes. And I remember Lunell was, like, grabbing all around, yeah. and I was like, I'll take my fucking pants off. And I took my pants off, she took her panties off, and we're all in the tub. And I remember the president of Comedy Central at the time, Lauren, Lauren Correo. Lauren Correo? Yeah, that was her. Was, was Laura, Laura. Yeah, I can't remember. Correo is right. Correo, she was waiting out. She was watching, like in Video Village, <laughs> and I'm naked, pressing my dick against the shower window, and she's like, "We can't use any of this." <laughs> oh God, that was fucking insane. They should play that show. Um, I wonder if they're legally allowed to air that show again. Because think of the talent they have on that fucking show. Dude, I would get fired from Travel Channel. Why? Do you, do you remember how I got voted off? Oh, I definitely remember, bro. When you did the only white dude fucking spin, land, one leg out, dick flop <laughs> Naked on a table on a in table. front of Greg Luganus. <laughs> And this was a man who had survived AIDS, and he could barely deal with it. AIDS and two bankruptcies, and he fucking walked out. Oh, that was uh, he couldn't deal. With they that. should fucking re-air that. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call Gary Mann at Comedy Central and see if he they can re-air that because they get ratings through the fucking roof. roof now they they've would. got the biggest comic in the country, and Amy Schumer's on that too. I know. <laughs> um. But I remember, I know this is the only thing I'll say about that, and then we'll leave it because I'm sure I've talked about that ad nauseum. Is that no, I love the fact that you have so much of a strong memory of it. I have a really strong memory of that because I really, genuinely had. It was. It was. A, it was. I think it was the first time I worked for Comedy Central, and that they offered me an hour special and a thirty minute, thirty half an hour special. Wow! Based off that, and I was like, "What?" And they were like, "We'll do whatever you want," and I was like, "Fuck." I remember being like, and I thought they hated me, but that was that. That show was just a straight offer. There was no auditioning. They just yeah, called me up. They're the like, "Best show do you ever." Wanna, do you want to do it? 
And I was like, what? But that and that was my introduction to Comedy Central. That's when I started working with mine them. too. Well, I was just such a young comic. Like I was just enamored to be around you young guys comic. like you, Donnell. Um, I kind of bonded with Mo because we were the youngest dudes on there. Me, him, and Amy. Yeah. And everybody else had been in the game at least five years. Mo's Mo's, by the way, was we all broke his balls. He was the youngest, but he was the he was also the greenest. He was still doing the open mic scene, I think, in San Francisco. And so yeah, he didn't. He, he, was, he huh? just was, and he was so young. He didn't know how to. He was. It's one of the lessons in life. If you're young and you're hanging out with guys that are older than you in talent, maybe you've been doing it longer. Biggest life lesson is just talk half as much as you yes. think you should talk. And I, I've always been a victim of that, and that's why Patri- guys like Patrice would always fucking destroy me, was because I <laughs> thought I should be talking. And then, and then. In my early days of cocaine th- or cocaine, never mind. That, all that, right. that explains That's the rest of that story. Freud getting out of your that nose, the rest bro. Of that story. So, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember St- Donnell and I. I've known I'd known Donnell for probably maybe ten years before that. I'd known Donnell since I started stand up, and we did the last episode, and the, and the final was you and Amy in the, in the finals. Yeah, and. At this point, I think you guys – I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say yes or no, but I think you guys agreed to split the money. Yeah, we made an agreement. To split the money, whoever won. So you had no, you had no emotional attachment to winning or losing, either of you. Mm-mm. And you guys were so fucking funny that we couldn't stop laughing. We couldn't stop laughing in the, in the final scene where we're all blowing out candles and we vote for a name. <laughs> we, I, Donnell and I were uh, literally doubled over – and I remember thinking, man, when when he figures out his voice, he's going to be destructive on stage. Because you were so young. I was like, right now he's just still trying to – it's like – I was talking to Rogan about it one time. We were talking that about when you're young and doing stand-up, you have a toolbox and you're looking for any fucking tool that works. And once that one tool works, you just hammer the fuck out yeah, of it. Yeah. You're using the screwdriver to do everything. Hammer and, and fucking take <laughs> things out of the wall. Like that screwdriver works. And I remember I was like – I remember saying to Donnell, I was like, when, when Theo figures it out for him, not for what is working, right. but for what he wants to do, I go, he's going to be destructive. And I, I literally, I want to say I haven't seen you to stand up since that, since then, since then, and then the other night. Yeah. And man, I was, I literally was jealous. I was jealous because I was like, I'm doing something, I'm not doing it enough. You, you look, you have a, you have a, a a stride on stage or a, a cadence on stage or a, a voice on stage now that is is that of an expert, someone who's been doing it the 10,000 hours and fucking fearless and so unique to you. And Thanks, I was, I remember, I remember you tell us stories and me and Donnell would be doubled over and you didn't understand why they were funny. Yeah. Do, do, the time, do, do you remember the story about when you were a kid, you were made of like a lemonade and vodka and you took your dad's car yeah. and you went to Thomasville? But you got lost, so you decided to go home, and you got pulled over. Oh yeah, I got pulled over by the cops. Wait, and you, and he, the cop said, "I don't." I only he goes, "Where are you going?" I was supposed to be. I was heading to a party, and we couldn't get there, right? Yeah. And he said, "Where are you going?" And, and you were at on that point, way- we were on my way back home. Yeah. So you said, so "I said Covington, because that's where I'm from." Yeah. And, and he said- goes, well, "Where are you coming from?" And I said, "Covington," because <laughs> that's where I left from, dude. <laughs> and it was honest story. <laughs> But you weren't trying to be funny. You just told us. 
I was just telling the dude the truth, man. We, and we were laughing so hard. And, man, you <laughs> fucking destroyed the other night. Destroyed. Dude, I, I, that's funny, man, because I, I thought the same thing after you. When I saw you up there, I was like, fuck, man, I do not want to go after Bert, man. He's just so lovable. And, he, like, and I didn't think you were going to get that audience because it was a weird audience. It was 13, like children. 13-year-olds. It was a Mexican children with mustaches. Let's well, tell, tell, tell them. I mean, tell everyone listening what the show was for. Yeah, the show was for – um. The show was for oh we have we we did an episode for a new show that's going to be on Ovation where they partner YouTube celebrities with uh, comedians yeah. and our goal was to um, get these YouTube celebrities to get on the stage and and have this new voice on stage and be able to do stand up basically yeah. right yeah. technically yeah and uh, and Bert had who was your celebrity shit um, my celebrity was Walid. Muhammad. Oh, I loved him. He was great, man. I thought he was fantastic. He, uh, I'm making sure we got us both in it. No worries. Um, yeah, I thought Waleed was fantastic. I thought he was a nice kid. I even uh, texted with him the other day. And I told think him he I did, he and I think job. he did a fantastic job. I really think that he did. Um, he did. He did. I, I would say. Well, I mean, out of the week of people that did it, I think he was in the top two. Uh, top two, really. Yeah. I mean, I think it was. <sighs> Really, it was your guy was easily the most comfortable on stage. Most comfortable on stage, but also I felt like he'd read that story or told it a million times. Though. Really? Yeah. But yeah. that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. He was definitely the most comfortable on stage, and he was the most famous. And he was using what tool, like you just said, he was using whatever tool he knew worked. Yeah. He was using that tool. Man, he was, and like, what's his name? He was F- way famous. Fousey? Fousey. Fousey tube. Did you see him afterwards getting mobbed no, in the parking lot? No, I ended up doing, having Bro, to go upstairs. I never see. I mean, I've seen Lindsay Lohan get mobbed. I've seen the Kardashians. This was almost equal to Kardashian. Are you serious? Mobbed against the wall. 150 people, like, screaming, trying to get video with him. Screaming. He he was... I, I, I'm going to be dead honest. They, they wanted us... The whole point of the thing was we talked... We hang out with these YouTube stars, and they help us with our online presence, and we help them with stand-up. But it was really us just helping them with stand-up. That's all it was, yeah. I mean, there's, there's nothing – I was under the impression there's nothing you can tell me that I don't already know. Right. Post fucking videos daily and fucking just talk to your fans and, and be open. Be, a rea- be your own reality show, and people will come to it. But I learned a lot from that tube guy. Like – because he was very sweet, he wasn't a dick. He didn't. He didn't have to be cool. He's fucking rich, and CIA just signed him. And he rolled into the green room with a fucking massive posse. Did he? Um, he rolled into the green room with seven agents and a four-person pot, like real legit posse of editors and and assistants. Jesus. And and he, I said something. I was fucking around with him, and I was like, I was like, I was like, um, what's the I go eighty. He has a video that has eighty-seven million views. I said, and I watched it. It, it was. It's not brilliant. I thought it was fake. Yeah, Some of it seemed fake to a me. A little bit. And I said, "What's the key?" And he goes, uh, "Dude, my vlog. Just talking to people. Just fucking. Just persistence. Every day. Every day." So I go to. I was. I was listening. I was like, "Yeah." So I made like a mock video vlog that I that I saw like this girl Miranda or whatever the famous people are I don't know if it's it's not Miranda Sings but like I did a mock one and I put it online and I was like ah, that's done I did it basically for Neil mm-hmm. who was the executive producer of that and then I go to yeah, Philly I love Neil he's nice I go to Philly and I talk to I pull in and, and Tom Segura had sold out five shows wow. before without press and I walked in I was like and I looked and I was like well I'll probably sell out five shows and I had sold out four and I was and in my head, and I, I had always sold out 
about four. But I figured, like, well, if Tom, I've been doing it longer than Tom. I've been going to that market longer than Tom. I called Tom, and I had a very honest conversation with Tom, just, you know, like, vulnerable. You know, I, don't, I don't need to pretend to be famous to Tom. Tom knows right. exactly who the fuck I am. And I said, man, what, is the, what did you do? And he goes, man, i got to be honest with you. I think it's my podcast. And I think it's the fact that I do it regularly. That, right. like, people can count on me releasing it on Tuesday and Thursday, and then they can listen on Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday and Thursday, they got something to look forward to. He goes, I stopped having guests. It's just me and Push, and we just have a good time with it. And he goes, I think that's what my numbers are. Then I talked to the owner of the, of the, of the Helium, and he was like, oh, it's Tom's podcast, man. Wow. He goes, Tom, when, when Tom mentioned on his podcast, all the shows sold out. And I was like, wow. So then I started going, all right, so Fusi was talking about his vlog. Um, Tom's talking about his podcast. It's, there's something with regularity, with, with, with a, n- a number of content. Joe's like that with a, putting out two podcasts, three podcasts a week. He does that many a week. Wow. Joe's fucking, man, Joe's got this game locked down. How's he to talk to? Is, I, I, oh. He just started kind of like, well, give me a little bit more FaceTime, you know? He's great. He's great. You see, he doesn't believe in Jesus Christ, does he? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. But that's fine. You know? Yeah, I don't think he does. Yeah, he might not believe in Jesus Christ, but... <laughs> I mean, I think he believes... And in I'm a... drinking out of his mug right here, look. <laughs> I believe. I think he believes in a higher power. I mean, he's done DMT, so he's spoken to the aliens. Really? He's an it man. He's a... Fu- he like, here's the thing, though. He doesn't shit on people for faith. At all, right? And he, and he doesn't mock people for faith. He thinks everyone's got their thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to speak for Joe. I'm not going to speak no, for no, Joe. No, no, not at yeah. all. You're, this is hyperbole. You're yeah, just but, kind of a you know. But he's uh, he's amazing, man. He's like really inspirational, and he kind of you know he loves stand up and he loves stand ups and he loves the art of what we do. And so, if, if that is your passion, you immediately connect with him immediately because that's his passion. His passions are right now are hunting, MMA, and fucking stand up, and probably. Cars. He has a new car well, yeah, that he yeah. really loves. And so, like, he's a he's a fascinating guy. And and I he's trying to talk to him a little bit more. I don't don't even worry about it. Like, is, that's that's the thing about Joe is that if you try to talk to him, I I think that's when Joe's like, I get it. But if he finds something interesting interesting in you, or if he connects with you on a real level, then he you forge a real. He doesn't want people that want to be on his podcast. He's, I mean, I, once again, I'm not speaking for Joe. Yeah, no, and I'm not thinking like that. I just kind of get nervous around him. Like, you know, there's some guys you just get, you know, they're you know, it's like Bill Burr. Yeah, you, know, you get Bill, nervous. About, some guys I won't talk to. I just don't know him. I don't know how to. Well, they then don't. And that's the weird part is that don't is like that. When we go back to that Mo Mandel thing. Yeah, just don't speak half that's as much. That's what I do. I just yeah. don't say it. I just you're, you're a pretty legit person in your feelings. Hey. You know, like you don't. Yeah, I don't force it. Like, I don't try to. I'm not trying to be a superstar. I don't need. To, I'm not trying to get shit out of people. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's but uh, but yeah, he's he's been a. I've been really blessed to like have. Guys like him and Joey and Ari and Duncan and, I mean, like, a bunch of people kind of entered my life at a time where I just, where I was under the impression that I didn't have any friends and right. I was fucking, and they just kind of showed up more like, I remember Joe telling me one time before I went on stage, we just got pre-fucked up and did a shot too and I was about to go on stage and I was like, I was like, I, f- I remember feeling like I didn't know anybody, but I did know them, but I didn't know them. He just came up and he's like, hey, man, just so you know, you're a really great guy. I was like, what? Because that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. I was like, am I a piece of shit? <laughs> and he's like, no, you're a really great guy. And if you let good guys into your life, you know, they'll help you be even a better guy and you'll be shocked at how happy your life is. Wow. And it was like, but like, that's the kind of guy he is. He's not the kind of guy that's like, dude, fucking 
like catchphrase something or right. fucking what, what you'd imagine. He's just a very sweet guy. Like called me one time yeah, I was in Vietnam riding motorcycles and he goes, "What are you doing?" I was like, "Oh, I'm riding m- m- Russian motorcycles and ri- through rice paddies in Vietnam." And most people would just ha 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 and then hang up. And then Joe's like takes that time and he's like, "Hey man, okay, stop what you're doing. Stop right now." He said, like, you need to write about this, man. This is what you need to be talking about on stage. You need to be exploring this shit because this is fascinating to me. Right. And then you think, well, he didn't have to say that. He, he, and then you start going, well, fuck, I need to write about this. And then you sit, find yourself writing about it, and you're like, well, fuck, that's what a friend's about is like helping me get to the next level in my career. Yeah. Not trying to better themselves off of me or is like, hey, man, oh, I'd love to hear your point of view of what you're doing right now. Talk about Vietnam. Like, right. So That's he's cool. fucking one of the – he's one of the greatest guys I, I know. And like Joey Diaz. Joey Diaz called me last Sunday night, and he's like, dog. I love him. Dog. We're taking – oh, I called late. I got – I got I landed in L.A., and I come in from Philadelphia. I'd seen he had called twice, but I missed his call, and I was on a plane, so I was like, fuck it. So I called him. He goes, oh, now the superstar calls. <laughs> dog, you missed it. We were taking acid. No. <laughs> I go, Joey, on Sunday night? He was like, yeah, me, Ari, and, and uh, Eddie Bravo, although Eddie Bravo's not taking acid. And I was like, I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, you missed it, man. I'll call you tomorrow. <laughs> And then, the, and then you look at Joey's like Periscope, and there's a 6 a.m. video of him fucking uh, smoking weed after he'd been taking acid the night before. And I looked; it was eight hours before his last Periscope. Wow! So like, I, he's a fucking fascinating guy. Oh, I, bro, I just got introduced to him recently. Whenever the comedy store changed managers, you know, yeah. and he they, he they brought him back, bro. He's fucking. He's another world, bro. He's another world. He's inspiring. And I always go after him. So it's like I get to see him every time, really. He is inspiring. He really is inspiring. And he says whatever the fuck he wants, dude. He says stuff about gays, blacks, Jews, oh, midgets. He says what? Dead people. The... Oh, he's been to ghosts. prison. Have you ever heard his, his – my favorite – one of the, I don't even know if he does it on stage. One of my favorite things he's ever said ever is he was talking about black people. And he was like – he just said it very flippantly to me. And he was like, dog. I asked him what was prison was like. And he goes, dog. <laughs> if you think black people are allowed in the movies. <laughs> and I, I literally was like, and by the way, this is one of those things I've gotten from, from all those guys is that it's not about tagging people's jokes or helping people write jokes. It's about stopping them and going, hey, just so you know. That's fucking genuinely one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Right. You've got to say that on stage. Because a lot of times, I think, and you're definitely one of these people, is you, you say funny things, and we all laugh, but no one's stopping you going, hey, man, like when you were young, no one's like, Dio, that's what you need to be talking about right. on stage. Joey's like that. Joey says things. He said to me one time, he goes, like very contemplatively, he goes, I have a big dog, Priscilla, mm-hmm. and he goes, uh, he goes, yeah, man, I don't know what it was about dogs. When I first got to this country, I got bit by dogs like six times the first week. I go, really? He goes, yeah. I mean, Bert, I'm not even lying. One, to- <laughs> one dog passed me and then realized it was me and came back and bit me. <laughs> like a dog passed me. And went, ah, fucking ah. And so, I, Joe, but he's the best. He called me last night. He was like, he was like uh, Ralphie and I want to come over f- to podcast. And I had just gotten in town, and I try to be real healthy when I'm in town. Right. And I was like, and I don't mind like drinking tonight, but I don't, I don't usually drink at home anymore. Right. And so I was like, and if Ralphie and Joey come over, I, they're going to be smoking have a, beer too. a massive amount of weed, weed in my man cave. And so I'm definitely going to have a beer. And so I was like, all right, how about tomorrow night? So I think he's going to come, and Ralphie might come over tonight. Really? Yeah, and just fucking. Get what is fucking today? Monday, mm- Tuesday. 
Is it Tuesday? Yes, Tuesday. Shit, man. I might text you later and be a fly on the wall. Oh, I'm I more, love if, they, if they come over, yeah. If they come over, and I'll I don't, text you. I know Joey well. I mean, I see him at the store all the time. You know, we give you that sweaty hug on stage, and I'm always like, is his heart going to stop soon? That's what I think. He's, you know, he's <clears> fucking <throat> shockingly healthy. Is he? Yeah, like he's, like, because you, you assume he's a big guy. He smoked, he did heroin, he did coke. But, like, he, he's, 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 he's uh, he goes to jujitsu every day. Now, he doesn't drink. He eats pretty fucking healthy. He loves his cats, too. He loves his cats. He smokes a ton of weed. You know, he's he's one of those guys that, like, I just love him. I, I absolutely love him. Oh, I love him to death. I just wish I, I mean, I've te- he asked me to be on his podcast once, and I couldn't come. And then now I've texted him a couple times and, you know, told him when I was around, but I haven't heard back from him. So I know he's probably just getting busier, too. Yeah. I think things are sparking up again for him. I think so. But anyway, what I was saying about that Fousey tube is I then went and I was like, I started re like looking at vlogs that I liked, and I was like, okay, there's a couple things I really dig. I like this Mr. Ben Brown guy, so I was like, I'll make a vlog like that. So I made this vlog of like following me around, little GoPro in your hand and just shooting it, and it fucking did really well. Got like two thousand downloads into instantly, and I was like, okay. So, and then and then I read the feedback. Everyone's like, I really like that. You need to do more of that shit. So I was like, that's where my head's at right now is putting video of these podcasts up. Do that. Keep doing that. Doing some vlogs and then posting shit of like Travel Channel will give me videos to post. So like I just posted this one of me accidentally buying a calf. Like that's I put that on there. And so a calf the animal. Yeah, I, I, don't know. I, I was thinking that we'd bid. I'd bid on the calf. Mm-hmm. If you if you haven't seen it, go to my YouTube page. It's my YouTube page is a Kreischer. Um, but I thought we'd jack up the price for the guy we were working for. Mm-hmm. So I thought the calf would come in and I'd bid. And then whoever wanted it would have to outbid me. That's not how that works. It's basically you bid if you want it. Because <laughs> there's so many calves. If no one's you gonna, got a calf, no what do you gonna, do with it? No Is outbid. it here? It's not here. No, so I bought it. I ended up putting one bid in. And the guy goes, sold trip flip. And I fell up. I, I've never laughed harder in my life. Cause I, I, and I had to buy, pay like $1,300 for this calf. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I gave it to the farmer and just let him keep it. Is he going to raise it for you? Yeah, he's going to raise it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so... But uh, so you have a calf somewhere? Yeah, down in uh, Texas. Oh, it's beautiful. No, Houston, outside Houston. <laughs> I could go visit it for just thirteen hundred dollars a $1, year. Thirteen hundred dollars? No, I don't even. I, he's he feeds it for me. That's awesome. Dude. Yeah, he's thirteen hundred. dollars You got to get a picture and put it up in the kitchen. I should. This I've got a cat. picture of him. I've got a picture of him, and uh, it's a boy because he because I found out he being castrated after I bought him. Oh, that's fine. And so I took a picture of him in the when he when he was in the car. It's one of the funnier. It's one. It's one of the hardest I've ever laughed because I realized I did it, and I was like, I was like, oh my god, I've I've really just fucked. It's one of those moments where you realize you fucked up. Oh, dude, that's that's all the time, dude. So, so what was the what was the transition from where when we started? Like, what was the path that got you to to where you're at now? Like, what was the thing? Where did you get strong in stand up? You know, it's a good question. I mean, I don't. I mean, I. You know, I just. It was tough in the beginning because people, like, you know, knew me from reality television. So that was tough. Or knew me from Road Rules. So it was like – and that show had a huge following at the time because – or those shows. Because there was only two reality shows. It was that and the real world. So um, so that was MTV. Like, their audience watched that. So I think it took a while to get away from that. So for a long time in the beginning, I was just, like, almost – just attacking people on stage because I needed them to not think about that and just fucking hear me, you know? Yep. Um, 
And then I guess it was just being on the road a good bit. And then recently I've tapped into stories from my childhood from growing up. Because, I mean, I just realized that I grew up in, like, a, just a weird, weird place. And it's one thing that's unique to me is my childhood and my perspective of it, you know? Yeah, it, it, it will, you, grew up, well, you grew up in... I grew up in Covington, Louisiana. And our town's famous. Um, Lee Harvey Oswald went to our middle school. Uh, <laughs> Pistol, Pete, Pistol Pete Maravich lived and died in our town. Really? Uh, two good shooters. That's the joke that I use off of that. <laughs> um, but like Tulane University had their primate testing facility in our town. It's where most people worked at, right? So, and in 1994, like 70 infected monkeys got out in our town, and they literally, the police came to YMCA summer camp and let the oldest kids leave to help them look for these monkeys, right? Are you serious? Yeah. And I remember like. Like, guys, they had guys with, like, rebel flags in their truck. I'm like, it's not a racial thing, guys. This is, these are fucking 70, these are chimpanzees and macaws that are loose around town, you know? This isn't a gang that's moved in, you know? Uh, But I remember me and a couple of other kids, I still remember having a wet bathing suit on, cornering a fucking chimpanzee outside of a Kenny Rogers Roasters with a police officer. And three other kids, like, rah, 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 you know, by this drive-thru. And this fucking fat elf of a woman honking at us. Like, we're ruining her, you know, dream shake she's buying or whatever. (laughs) And her fucking cornbread. (laughs) We're trying to fucking save our town from a fucking... Who knows what this from, monkey from, had? From a maybe yellow Planet fever. of the Apes apocalypse. Yeah, maybe something Walter Reed missed. Could have been yellow <laughs> fever. Um, what? Wait, what? What kind of town was it? Was like, is it out where? West, north, or east of North of New Orleans? About forty miles, probably. And it was just a little more rural back then. And I mean, we just had, you know, my. I mean, my dad was real old when I was born. How so old like, you I had. Born? My dad was seventy when I was born. You were 70 when you were born. So I had this weird perspective, I think, of things, you know, and this real self-defeating, like, life didn't want me or God doesn't want, you know, like, I'm barely here, yeah. you know, like. So it gave me, like, kind of this, and my dad was dying, you know, because at that age, you're just dying, you yeah. know. I mean, you're still living, but you're, you can't teach a kid a bunch of stuff or whatever you teach, everything. Everything's skewed fatalistically. Everything's skewed fatalistically. Like, I remember we'd walk to church and, uh. I would have to make sure, even though my dad didn't know, I was making sure he, it was safe for him to walk. You know, I remember being like five years old, maybe, and just like, so my focus is on this instead of like enjoying, you know, jumping in the ditch of leaves or whatever, you know, just shit. Like, just things where you're like, it opens things up pretty vividly immediately, I guess. So it gives you kind of a little bit of this weird look. But I started to really invest my thoughts into the place that I came from, you know, weird shit. Like I remember like on the weekends and we they had this, uh, this highway right next to our apartment building. And I'd go out there and me and my buddy would go out there. This kid, Jeremy Sumrall. And he was born for deficiency. He was born with like a, I don't know any other way to put it. Really he was born with a wrist in his neck. Kind of, he kind of had like a, like his neck could do more than our necks can. He was born with a wrist in his neck. I mean, his neck could do more than our necks can, man. Really? Yeah. And he, uh, and we'd go out on the, on Saturday and pull these dead dogs off this highway and bury them like because count like because I grew up I really feel like I grew up in the stray animal belt of Louisiana and they don't really have this anymore because everybody has pets now but they had a long time where there was just I felt like thousands of strays running around like Joey Diaz he got bit by animals I got jumped by a bunch of cats on my birthday once dude I'm not even joking dude and one of them I swear to God (laughs) 
Some of them got me on the ground, and one of them came off a fucking rooftop from next door. I swear to God, I still remember a couple of them were getting me and looking back and seeing one come from something in the air. And uh, and they had tons of stray animals where I was from. You couldn't you had to infuse that in everything you did, wherever you went, or if you were going to bike or play ball. Cats. And that'll make you feel like a little bitch, too. I mean, first of all, your dad's dying, and now there's cats jumping you. It's just really... But anyway, so I was like, we used to pull these bodies off of the interstate and bury them off the highway, right? Holy shit. Because dogs were getting hit there. I mean, literally, they were fucking piling up. (laughs) And I remember one time, we found a bunch of nudie mags in the ground. Somebody had hit a bunch of, you know, pornography in the dirt. And I remember we got down, and... Somebody then, and we realized, I'd never seen any sex before, right? So somebody somebody cut out all the pictures of the actual insertion points in these magazines. There was probably 11 pornography magazines, Club, some of the older ones, Club, finer ones, I thought, actually. Yeah. Uh, penthouse. Um, but where the exact penis and vagina insertion point happened, and in every picture, somebody cut that out. And taking it with them, I guess. And I don't know if they did it because they didn't want people to see that. Or they wanted to have it all, you know? But I remember just weird shit like that. And that's when I started to realize this shit didn't happen to everybody. Like, for some reason, God put all this weird shit in front of me. And so those are the things that I need to focus on. And that's when I started thinking that I became a little bit more confident because I know what I'm talking about, I think. What do you mean? Like, I know what I'm... Like, I'm explaining a place that I know, you know? Yeah. It's not like I'm trying to be like... Oh, when you started talking about... Where you grew up yeah, on stage, you got more things. confidence. You knew what you were talking about. Yeah, I knew what I was talking about. So that just helped with my confidence. So now I can tell some older jokes and bits, and there's more confidence there. But now I'm also being able to just tell new stories and still keep that same perspective that I had with these other bits. Was there racism in Covington? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of racism. Dude, I remember one time, so I was friends with this kid named Devin Deku because I actually really joined black humanity for a while when I was young. You know, I really... What is it with black humanity? Well, just like I used to ride my bike to school, right? Because yeah. I lived in this poor neighborhood and I didn't want to get on the bus and kids see where I was from. I didn't want to get off the poor bus at school. So I would ride my bike to school. and It was about five miles, right? And this was like in middle school, you know? So like... But I'd go through the black neighborhood, you know, like because our neighborhood was white and black and white at one end, black at the other end. So I'd go through there and a lot of the blacks would get on my bike, you know, and they honestly used to call me the nigger bus is what they would call me. And they would be like, the nigger bus is here. And they would all get like three or four of them would get on my bike and be on my shoulders and sitting on the front. Tall blacks, too. Like this one kid named Jonathan Smith. This kid had to be, I swear to God, he was nine feet tall, man. And he fucking made me ride him. I literally remember the back tire would, he was so fucking heavy, the back tire on my bike would come up, which made me wonder, how's this bike even having any traction yeah. on the road? But then they'd have somebody on the pegs on the back and like piled I'm up. I'm, a, I'm like a, a, a Kambaya Tombo, Matumbo sitting on your handlebars <laughs> totally. and your fucking bike yeah. being up. And I didn't call myself the nigger bus. That's what they called me. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but then uh, it was like, okay, these are my buddies. That's the interesting thing about the M word, in my opinion, is that there are experiences that we've all had in life where that word has been used, and in a weird way, and the sanitization of story of the of the word of the, this, like take it out everywhere. And Louis C.K. doesn't do it at all. I have a great story that involves the word, and I'm I don't say it on stage just because it's so volatile. And I go, fuck, man, 
I wish I had more balls, or maybe I wish I had nothing to lose. You know, that's right. my problem is I have, I have a lot to lose. Yeah, you have so a wife, that, kids, you have TV shows. And so shows. I just go I, I go, I know there's no, I know I could say it, and, there, and no one would ever think there's any hatred in my heart. Like when you say it, I don't see that as, hey, I see that as a little white kid riding a bus to a, a bike through a black neighborhood, and that's what they called you. And for you to sanitize that takes away the, the meat of that story. It takes away that story. It, it takes the balls off of it. Yeah, it's not fair sometimes these days, and I think it's starting to change where we're getting in an environment where you can see who's educated about things and who isn't. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah, 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 exactly. And I would never use it in a – I mean – You'd I'm never use it. Ne- You'd never use it. I wouldn't it. use it towards somebody to be mean well, to that's them. that's what Greg Fritzsimmons says. Saying it and using it are two different things. That's a good point. He's like – he goes, I, I'll say it. I'll say it because I'm a grown-up and I'm not I'm – not, you're not going to tell me what not to say in life. That st- word is in this story and it t- makes that story richer or, it, or you can see it better than I'll say it. I'm not going to use it. I'd never use it. Yeah. I've never used it. And I was like, that's really fascinating, Greg. And the- yeah, it's interesting. In comics, we want to be able to use every word and we want to – we're wordsmiths. Yeah. We want to be able to use everything. So then – but I remember – so I became friends with this French black kid named Devin Deku, right, in our town. And yeah. he – and uh, I remember I'd go over to his house, and we'd go in his house, and it was cool to just be, like, in a black kid's house and just kind of see what their life was like and real intimate and, like um, – and I remember bathing with his sisters in this tub in their front yard. <laughs> and uh, what was – oh, God, I can't remember what this one – I think this dude might have been a pedophile, but he kept yelling something at us. Uh Oh, I can't remember what it was. But anyway, Devin and I went fishing one time. Sometimes we'd go get, like, lunch meat or whatever and go fish, right? Yeah. Well, one time, these bull- these white kids are walking across this. Literally, these stand-by mirrors are going over this bri- this train track over this water where we're fishing down by the river. And they start throwing rocks at us and calling us the N-word. Yeah. And I'm trying to yell to them. I'm not the N word, you know. <laughs> guys, well, yeah, like, guys, hey, are you colorblind? Just one of it's us. Just him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll back off. <laughs> and Devin, my buddy Devin, is dying that I'm trying to like because I'm also I think I'm mildly doing it to entertain him, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so it was, but at the same time, dodging rocks from these racist kids who obviously have poor eyesight, you know. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I mean, just th- just things like that. Just growing up in a place that was unique. So that's what I've started to incorporate, keeping that mentality. Well, it's, it's so good because it does. It does kind of. I, I like that. I. No one's ever going to tell a getting jumped by cat story. Yeah, and that's so real. Like everyone's got their everyone's got their version of that in life. Like everyone's got a time. I used to tell a story about this kid Corky Gaines, who's on Twitter now. His name's it's Cork Gaines. But he was one of those kids, like, you always got one of those kids in life who maybe just doesn't see the big picture of things. I remember and there's one of the stories I tell is him rolling in dog shit when we were playing uh, Smear the Queer when yeah. we were kids. Oh, Smear the Queer was the only game in town. That was the only game. You throw the ball in the, For those of you that are grew up in political correctness, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you called it. But that's what we called it when we were kids. That's and all I'm talking about, I, I only probably called it that for just when I was a kid for first and <laughs> yeah. second grade. Up to like fourth grade, you'd throw the ball in the air. Whoever caught it was the queer, and yeah. you, everyone tried to attack him. Yeah, and that. so Corky Gaines got the ball, and we, all our friend, all my friends in that. And Corky lived around the corner, but all the kids on my street were all like fourth grade, fifth grade 
kids, mm-hmm. and they tackled him, and he rolled in dog shit, and, which no one does anymore. No one rolls in dog shit. No, not anymore. It just doesn't happen because everyone picks it up. And it turned white, and then it went to heaven. Yeah. yeah. And Corky Gaines rolled on his neck, and he was like, what is it? And everyone, it was like, it was like an apocalypse movie. Everyone went inside, like shut their doors, locked their blinds, and he was like walking down the center of the street like he had a bomb around him. Help! But, uh, Oh, but my God. Corky Gaines had this. I, I remember one time my mom used to drive him home. If you call my sister right now and go, what did, if you say Corky Gaines, she'll go, oh, he smelled like bologna. That's all, <laughs> like just immediately. Oh, I've dated a, a, a numerous women, actually, over the years whose breath smells like different kinds of meat. Yeah, I dated a chick who smelled like bologna. Like the first night, I was like, she must have had a bologna sandwich. I'll give her, <laughs> I'll give her a pass. And then the next night, I was like, man, maybe she's just into bologna. Maybe that's her fucking lunch. <laughs> and then I spent the night at her house one night. And we woke up in the morning. She's like, what do you want to do for lunch? I was like, fuck it. I'll take a bologna sandwich. <laughs> she's like, I don't have bologna. And I was like, oh, fuck. That's what you smell like? Um, but, yeah, the... Uh, Corky Games was like, I guess there were these, I want to say there were these Asian people that lived next door to him. Uh, and he was like, they're gone. But uh, but they got a pool. We can go swimming in the pool. So get your bathing suit on and come over right after school. So we were like real close, like maybe right around the corner. Like, And so I get on my Speedo, get a towel. I go all over to his house, meet him and sing. We walk out his front door. And I remember it was like his front door was here. Their fence was like right here. So we walked over the fence and he was like I'll go check to see if it's safe so he like opens their fence and then goes around in and I'm sitting there and the fence is slightly open all of a sudden the fence flies open and he's like dog (laughs) he a huge Doberman Pinscher comes flying after him and I remember I fucking saw my life flash before my eyes I was like this is how I die and the dog just ran past me and kept chasing him he just kept running and I was like I was like what do I like, you know, we were, I was like, do I just go home now? And I was like, I'm not going to chase him. I was like, fuck, I'm going. And I just walked home, home and then sat on my couch with my towel still over my shoulder. My mom's like, I thought you were going swimming. And I was like, no. She was like, what are you going to do? I was like, oh, give me a second. I think I have PTSD. But those fucking people don't get a traumatic right. stress disorder. So wait, what? what so what was like? Oh, dude, I remember they had a deaf kid that moved into our town for three days, and this group of kids thought he was doing magic because he was always using his hands, but he wasn't doing any magic, and they beat him up. That's the other thing. I remember, like, people... And were I was like, like, he's not a magician. They had they just could not conceptualize. I remember one kid yelling, you mean this fag ain't got no words in him? I'm like, are you serious? What? Yeah, the world... You know, man, the world has changed so fucking globally. <laughs> Yeah, I think so, but it's also still pretty real out there in some places, dude. Even places where they're getting the internet. Even so, like... Yeah, it's still... I mean, dude, yeah, I could go down to my old town and go in on a Saturday, I think, on the street that I grew up on, and I think you would still see people out living their lives, just, you know, being regular. I remember the day we moved in, there was... You used to have ditch fires in our street, in our in our town, really, where you burn all your shit in the ditch on the weekend, right? It was like a big... Really? Yeah, it wasn't like a pagan thing or anything. You just, instead of it? waiting for trash to come all the time, you just burn everything in the ditch, right? Holy really shit. saves time and really saves, I don't yeah. know how bad it is for the environment. Oh, it's pretty bad. <laughs> but it's, I mean, I think that's what they're doing with it ultimately. <laughs> okay, right, right, right. So we're just saving people time, really. Yeah. We're cutting corners, honestly. We're, we're ahead of our time. Yeah. Uh, but somebody threw this old man, Mr. Polito, into the fucking ditch fire. He got in a fight with some younger guy from down the street. Threw a 70-year-old man into a ditch, dude. Like, how the port- day we pulled up. 
The I day remember you pulled up. There's a fight in the street. There's, old there's fires like it's apocalypse. And some yeah. guy's throwing old men in. You're there's like. throwing old men in the street. And then fast. And your dad's 70 going, life fucking sucks. <laughs> then you die. <laughs> well, fast forward a couple of years. That man died. Mr. Polito died. Me and my buddy are walking down the street one day. The kid with the wrist in his neck, right? Yeah. And some guy's like, you want to come to a service? And we're like, yeah, we'll go to a service. You know, we didn't, we didn't know what it was. So... We go in the backyard, and this Mr. Polito had died, and they were burying him in the, this this his grandson, I guess who it was, who we'd never even met, was burying him in his backyard, dude. And I guess was thinking to collect insurance money. We didn't know that, right? Or collect whatever monies he still had coming in, and not label him as dead with the city. Oh, so we're shit. like, next thing you know, we're sitting there at a freaking funeral, dude. They put him in the backyard, and we're people are saying prayers and shit. Wait, how far? Like, did, when you did, how how poor did you grow up? Would you say poor? We grew up poor, man. I mean, I think our rent was $150 a month, single mom, toilet hanging through the ceiling. So your dad, your dad passed away. Dad passed away when I was 16. He was old, but he just didn't have any money, you know? Usually your mom fucks an old rich man. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My mom had four kids with an old poor man. <laughs> Wait, what was your dad's story? Was he born in, in Louisiana? Uh, he, was po- he, was, uh, he was born in Nicaragua, actually. He, ended up, he was like a missionary, ended up in, uh, in Louisiana. Um, and he was a nice man, dude. He was cool. How old would he be right now? He would be 106. He had cool stories and everything. You know, he was born in 1910. Okay. They had a girl in my junior high class that I told him I had a crush on, and he's like, well, I used to hang out with her grandmother, Rosemary, in the 30s, so. <laughs> really? We've been there. That's what he told me. Shut up. He was cool, man. He was a cool guy. He was just old, you know? He just, and he wasn't old when I met him. He just. And he didn't even really get old. He just got cancer and died, but he just, there are things you, you know. Died at 86. Yeah, died at 86. And you just see things on him and you start to work, you know, it just has you in this weird mind frame. But anyway, they buried Mr. Polito in the backyard. So me and freaking my boy are sitting there at this service, dude, and they asked us to say a few words. I, I, I can't remember what I said or what Jeremy said, probably something about God or Jesus Christ. You know, we didn't know. Yeah. And then they put him in the ground, and then fast forward two weeks, the coroner shows up. They dug him up, and they arrested the grandson for trying to fuck launder money or whatever. So what was the – what was the – you go to high school. Went to high school, and then I got emancipated when I was 14. I just had a tough time growing up with my mom, and she was just hectic. Mom, you delivered. emancipated? Like you just had – you were on your own? Yeah. And then where did you go? And then I went to live with friends. I would take a backpack to school every day, and I would stay with whoever let me stay, man. And I made a lot of good friends that way and families because you literally come into a family immediately, and you're like part of the family for the as long as the parents will let you stay there, you know? Yeah. And that was fun because you're, you're kind of surviving, so you're, trying to, you're manipulating the situation a little bit because you're trying to – you're survival instincts. You're young, but you, want, you need a place to stay, you know? And then I got a family that let me come stay with them for literally about three or four years. So that was that was really cool. I had my own room really? uh, for the first time. Yeah, I mean, we had, you know, so, so there was some changes there. It's funny. I never really even thought about a lot of this. But there was some changes there. I don't know, man. It was just like what life. changes? What changes? <sighs> like, I remember... Uh, I remember the bathroom was nice. That's, like, the first thing I remember. Like, I remember, like, dang, like, they had those fake towels you don't use, you know? Yeah. And I was like, damn, these motherfuckers are rich, you know? Uh, fake towels that you and don't use. And the dad use. gave me $20 on the weekend for allowance. And it was like, 
you know, and he came home from work and the mom came home from work and it was like they ate dinner and the, you know, the mom made some type of shit casserole, you know, and everybody, every, we were, everybody sat at the table and joked a little and then was an asshole and went to their rooms. But like, it was just was really normal, you know? And, uh, so that was pretty cool. You know, I remember going to my room and closing the door and be like, what are we doing? So wait, what, so and at this time, your dad is still alive. My dad's still alive, yeah, but he lived across a lake at that time, and he was just, yeah. And I, I kind of distanced myself a little bit. Not that I wanted to; I was just a teenager. Yeah. And your mom? What was going on with your mom? Why did you? Uh, my mom was just hectic, man. She just always worked. She was a delivery. She delivered newspapers and stuff ever since I was young, and she was just, she was just stressed out. I think you know. And you had three. I got three siblings, yeah. Younger my brother had moved away to live with my grandparents. And my sister was sick her whole life. She was born with a liver deficiency, and she ended up getting a liver transplant. So most of my mom's affection really went towards her, you know, I think. Yeah. Um, and my dad's, too, really. So, where's your, Where are your siblings now? My siblings now. My sister has two kids. She lives out off the interstate in Louisiana. They just had a Halloween party last weekend. She's good. Uh, my brother has two kids. And mother, sister, uh, she keeps bar. They all live in Louisiana. Really? Yeah. And so, wait. So, okay. By the way, I, I'm fascinated because I've known you for so long and I knew nothing of this. Yeah. So, so wait. So, then you you get emancipated. You move in with these people. 16, your dad passed away. You go to the funeral? Yeah, I went to the funeral. And that was scary because my dad had other family kids that were now in their 70s almost. Holy shit. Were like half siblings of mine, yeah. you know? And uh, and they didn't acknowledge us at the funeral. They never really acknowledged us as, like, being his kids or whatever. So I remember the pastor being like, you know, he survived by his children. He named the kids, and I wasn't even in it. So that put me in a weird spot, I think, where I was like, who am I even, you know? Like, do I even, you know, what's going on? Do you, are you doing drugs and alcohol this time? Yeah, we're doing drugs. You know, we're just young kids, you know, eating a little bit of mushrooms. Uh you know, yeah, I always stayed on. I was smart, though. Thankfully, my mom had us read growing up and stuff like that. Yeah. My mom was a smart woman. She graduated from Duke University. She just made some bad choices in her life and never had any money. Um, but she was smart, so she put us into that. So me and my siblings were all Is your mom still alive? Smart. Yeah, she's still alive. She's like 65 now. Still delivers. Oh, she was young when she met your dad. Yeah, she was 32. She was 32 when I was born, so she was probably 28 when she met my dad. So then... So then- you're doing drugs and alcohol, but not enough to ruin your life. And then you, do you go to college? Yeah, I went to college. I went to University of Arizona for a year, and I didn't like it. And then I went back to Louisiana State. And uh, and at both – each year, MTV or Bunna Murray Productions had had auditions at different campuses around the country. They picked six campuses. And one of the campuses that the year I went to college was University of Arizona. So I was walking across campus and they had auditions for Real World and Road Rules, and I loved the shows, and I went in. And then the next, I didn't get, I didn't get through. And then the next year, I was at LSU, and they had auditions there. And so it's like this thing was following me a little bit. And then I went in and uh, and auditioned. And then that kind of, I want to say it changed my life, but it opened my life. One of the producers after the show, so next thing you know, I'll go around the whole country with this road rules thing. One of the producers after the show, whose birthday was yesterday, actually, I emailed him, told him happy birthday, Bruce Toms. He said to me, he goes, I think you should move to Los Angeles. I think you could be an actor, you know. And I'd never. 
thought of that in my life. But he was a producer from L.A. and he wore black clothes all the time. So wait, wait, hold on. So when you get on, you get they call you and they're like, "We want you to do, you to do road rules." Yeah. This is, by the way, the infancy of the show, but it it, it had already established itself as a hit. Yeah. So you're going on to a hit show. You get on road rules. Is is any of it fucking with your head? Yeah, I mean, it's just bizarre. It's like, it almost is like, yeah, this would happen, you know? Shit's already weird. I don't, uh, you know, you never know what to expect, kind of. Yeah. So then you're in this new adventure. And I think I'd had a wealth of stories growing up to tell them when I went into audition that were like, this guy would be a good candidate. Um, and so, yeah. You kind of stayed out of the fray. You didn't, you didn't, you weren't really volatile the entire time. You just were kind of having a good time. Yeah, I just kind of just had a good time. Yeah, and I think I was keen in that sense. Who's on your cast? This guy named James, who you had mentioned, who was kind of yeah. like the uh, the the American boy. I keep wanting to remember a Google a picture of you from that because your hair was like different. Oh, well, like, I had long hair. I'll send you one, man. You can put oh, it up. I, I can find it right now. So wait, who's on your cast? James Latarian. I remember Latarian. I'm still friends with both of those guys. This girl Masada, this young uh, African American girl from here. Uh, this girl Holly, who was kind of a a bitch at the time, and this girl named Catherine. And so we traveled across America and went to South Africa together. Shut the fuck up. How, what, a, what a fucking overwhelming experience for a guy, now that I know who you are, which they never painted you that way right. on Road Rules. What season was it? Nine. It was in really? 1999. Season nine? Jesus. But, like, what a fucking life experience to go from growing up poor Oh, it was crazy. And then, you know, what even capitalized it, honestly, after that, that really changed my life was, so the head of Buddha Murray, uh, John Murray, and I became friends, and he said, they have this thing called Semester at Sea, which is like a floating university that yeah. goes around the world. It's a cruise ship. He goes, I think you would really benefit from it. I would love to help you get on there as a student. He goes, I think I can help you get some sort of a scholarship. And... uh and so he helped me. And it wasn't a full ride or anything. I had to work in the bookstore, and I still had to pay like $12,000. But this is when they're shooting Semester at Sea. No, this was after they were shooting Semester at Sea. But really? he was familiar with the – because Road Rules had done Semester at Sea a few years earlier. Um, yeah, you did have long hair. Yeah. I was handsome, I think. I, I, I just th- remember James. I remember Latarian, James too. was handsome. So was Latarian. Yeah. I mean, I definitely felt third fiddle. And I, at that time in my life, I never would have thought I was a handsome kid. Um, well, you did. You used to. I just remembered this. You used to put a star right here on your eye. Yeah, I had, sometimes I had a star on my cheek, actually, and that was. Can I tell you what? Somebody tell me if this is true. Yeah, I was drinking at uh, uh, Saddle Ranch, and the bartender had one on her eye. Really? And she, I said, "What is that?" I said, "You know, there's a guy from Road Rules who does that." She goes, "He's my boyfriend." And I was like, what? She's like, he does it to remember himself of me. And I went, oh. I go, you date Theo? And she's like, yeah, he's my boyfriend. I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah, that's not true at all. That's so weird. Yeah, I was like, that's... Uh, they had a kid whenever I remember uh, that I visited one time when my sister was in the hospital that it would always had a star on his cheek. Yeah. And so that was one of the things that I think, I guess that was maybe why I did it. I don't know. Just maybe, I don't know if it reminded me of like... Being free or being brave or being able to do experiences maybe other people can't do. So wait, so you did Semester at Sea? So then John Murray helps me get on Semester at Sea. So next thing you know, I travel around the world on this ship doing Semester at Sea. And so now I've gone from being at home 
to now I've seen like 13 countries. Uh, Fidel Castro came and spoke to us. Desmond Tutu came and spoke to us. Like, you know, now I've like seen seen India, China, Vietnam, Hong Kong, Malaysia, Cuba, and that South changes Africa, your Brazil. DNA. So then it changes your perspective of a lot of things. It changes who you are. Yeah. Going to Vietnam by itself changes your uh, cultural DNA forever. Oh, 100%. I mean, we came up the fucking Mekong on a cruise ship in the middle of the night. The sun's rising, and we're going up, and it's just like you've seen in all these movies. Like, the foliage is still exactly the same. There's no fucking buildings. You see little fishing lantern boats on the side of you, and you're like, wow, this puts, like, a lot of different people's lives into perspective. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, so a lot of things changed, you know, once the uh, once road rules happened. And then I quit doing that stuff and started doing comedy. Well, you, st- you did some of the challenges, too. I did some of the challenges. I did three of the challenges until 2005. And the challenges then, seemed like they were fun as fuck. The challenges were fun. But it, when I first started, um, it was people, like, that were doctors that were taking a two or three weeks off of work and people that were going to college and had families and like and young people but it was a mix and you sit around at night and play guitar by the fire and people would drink and maybe you'd hook up with an older woman you know there was there was there was the casting changed drastically at a certain point yes in those shows yes and it went from people looking for a cool set of life experiences which which honestly Two of the pe- two of my favorite people are you and Christina Pajinski. Yeah, she's great. And you she's two so both were just people that were like, "Fuck it, why not?" Two people that were like, "This can be my fucking meal ticket." Yeah. And then that's what I think happened is you stopped getting these guys like Aaron from season two of Road Rules, Real World, who never is associated with himself since. Right. To these guys who are like, "Oh, if I'm just like Puck, then I can fucking do this every year." Right. Yeah, and it changed, and it changed, and it started to become very much like kind of, I don't want to say to generalize frat life, but it became very much like a frat party every night. Yeah. And that wasn't really my scene as much. And also, girls started fighting on the shows, and I didn't want to be around women fist fighting in any sense. Like, I think Ronda Rousey's great, but I don't ever need to see a woman punch another woman. You know, it's just not my thing. Um, And once women started fighting on those shows, I said, I don't want to be associated with this. And so you just... They, they called you again, and you were like, I'm going to pass. Yeah, they called a couple times, and there were fucking definitely times where I was destitute. Yeah. Um, but I just stayed with comedy, you know? And so then, when did you start doing comedy? Then I started doing comedy two years before I quit doing the road rule stuff. So I did, quit doing the road rule stuff in 2005, so 10 years ago, and I started doing the comedy in 2003. Did you ever get to do those, like, uh, those bar appearances? Yeah, I did the bar crawls. The, what, what, what was that? Oh, that's just, I have a great story from that. I just, what time is it, Bird? Just so uh, you know. It has been an hour. It has? So it's twelve fifteen. What time do you get to get 12, out of 15? here? 12 yeah. We're fine. I have to be somewhere at 1, and it's about 25 minutes gotta, away. Okay, perfect. i got to pick up Georgia at 1. Oh, dude. So the bar crawls are great. So, um, I mean, fast forward to just, to just to put the whole thing in perspective. Two weeks ago, we shot a Netflix original over in New Orleans, right? Yeah. So it's like to go the whole spectrum of where it is now with doing the comedy you know yeah. it's like but that shows you they always say it takes about 10 years to really it takes 10 years to figure out your voice i believe it takes i believe it takes longer. almost 20 to be fucking to be where bill burr and louis are oh well, i when i saw you the other night i was like 
oh, man, he can just get up in any environment, and he doesn't have the fear that he's not going to be able to be funny in it. Um, and not, not and, and I mean, not you know saying that you're full of yourself or anything, just no, from an outsider's perspective of you've worked that hard. It's like watching yeah. a woodman chop down even the smallest tree and know he's going to be able to make something out of it. Yeah. Whereas me, I still I fucking need a medium-sized tree. <laughs> Or I'm not even getting my axe out of the bag. You know what I'm saying? But I saw that the other night in you when you get up on stage. Like <laughs> It can even be the, the smallest tree. Here it is. There's 700 Latinos with baby mustaches. Yeah. And you're going to do. All ages 13 to 18. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, how do everybody here have the same mustache? <laughs> even the women. And still uh, beautiful. So that was great. Um, but so then what happened? I don't know, man. We did the comedy. Got into the comedy. Oh, you had asked me about because like I always heard that if you did real or row oh, rules, bar crawl. you could go and do f- get money to do shit. You could. So here's what they had for a little while, and I'll tell you this story. So, and I told this on Nick Youssef's podcast, and I didn't realize it was a unique. It was interesting, but so they had this thing called the bar crawl, where they would take kids from these reality shows and put them onto a bus and take them around the country on a tour bus, a nice bus. Yeah. And you would literally show up at a bar. They'd pay you $500 cash a night. You would guest bartend or whatever you wanted to do. Uh, you were f- hooking up with chicks, whatever, bring them back on the bus, fucking whatever, you know. And then literally at about 3 a.m., you'd pass out on the bus, and the bus would drive seven hours to the next city, and you would wake up in another city and do it again that night for $500 cash. Same shit show, right? So on this one bus, they always had to have a driver of the bus, right? And this one bus got this kid out of Kentucky who was 23 years old, looked like he was 40 years old, right? Yeah. Uh, and he, I remember sitting up, because I'd sit up by the bus driver and talk to him a little bit, you know? And I remember this kid being like, dude, I don't need to sleep, right? That's what he told me. <laughs> and now normally a regular person who's not an instigator like myself yeah. would go and tell everyone Else, we have a driver who doesn't like to sleep at all, and I don't think it's safe. But me, I'm like, fuck, no, you don't, dude. <laughs> fuck, no, you don't need to sleep. And anybody who I'll says— I'll match your craziness with understanding. <laughs> and anybody who says you are, and I had to find a word that would really fuel him being from Kentucky, anybody yeah. says you do is probably a queer. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I told him. And he's like, you're right. Right? So next thing you know, this dude's been up for two days, right? <laughs> And he's told me every story. Like, he has a fat girlfriend somewhere, and he has a skinny <laughs> girlfriend somewhere, right? Yeah. Which are most of his stories. But they also had, on this tour bus, they had this other group that they brought on to help subsidize some of the costs of the travel was this new energy drink that had come out called Hair of the Dog, right? It was called Hair of the Dog, and you drank it before you went to bed, and you wouldn't be hungover. And to push hair Did it of- work? Did it work? I have no idea. I don't think any of them have ever worked, dude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The rule is drink a glass of water and don't jerk off, and you'll feel way better in the morning, right? <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, they to, to push hair of the dog, they brought on this older couple who were in their 40s to do karaoke at a neighboring bar that was a little more chill than the bar we were partying at. 
So you had this older couple on the bus, right? And they were like older. They had like kids and they were like, and so we're bringing chicks on and banging in the middle of the night and like everybody's raging. Um, nothing too insane, but you know, anything you do on a tour bus. And yeah. then you had these older people sleeping in the bunks trying to relax, right? And you guys were just fucking. I, was, I mean, I remember like. Who's on the bus with you? Is it like uh, you? Oh, they were. It was some hard heads on there. Like this kid, Abram. Or I remember Abram. Ab- I remember Abraham. He's a nutty. He's a fucking lunatic, he's man. He's nutty, bro. He's a fucking he's lunatic. A soldier. Tanya had to be on it. Tanya was on there at some point. <laughs> I I'm fucking sure. knew it. I'm sure. The funny obsessed. thing is, I wouldn't talk about this with on any other podcast with anybody. Yeah. I don't ever talk about this. I fucking... I, why was I don't want to talk about it with you because I know that you're a fan of it. Yeah. And you were a fan of it. I remember it's the first thing you ever said to me. Yeah. You know? Oh, I was, it was my favorite show. But you weren't like a negative fan of it. You were like... I wasn't even remotely negative, dude. Yeah. I fucking look. One of my favorite people ever. I know you. I know we've talked about him, so I'll just leave it at that. Is CT? Oh. That guy's fucking fascinating. I still to this day find the guy. <laughs> literally, that was me spitting my coffee up. Uh, fascinating is a good word. Um, that's another reason why I quit going on the show. Is like this dude was knocking out whoever else was on the show. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not ruining my life by getting knocked out by this freaking oh, hypothalamic gland that's I get, over. I'd totally get punched by him if I wreck it, if I ran into him because I'd be like, oh, fuck, CT. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah, he'd be like, bam. Yeah. Oh. So, I, and I don't even know him, but I, I just couldn't deal. I couldn't deal with that. So anyway, we're on this bus, right? Yeah. And the big rule, this young kid's rule was, who wasn't sleeping, was no shitting on this bus, right? <laughs> and the first day I was like, guys, don't use the restroom. But after about 40 hours of no sleep, he's like, I dare somebody to shit on this motherfucker, <laughs> right? <laughs> so literally we're on like day three uh, on one of these tours and we're somewhere and it's fucking 11 o'clock at night, right? Yeah. And I tell this dude, bro. Miss Margaret, who is the older karaoke Miss woman. Miss Margaret, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just shit in the shitter, right? <laughs> and this dude has not slept, bro. He's doing it all. No toes, whatever. <laughs> Driving a fucking half-million-dollar bus, right, with seven human beings living in it. And whatever girl who was banged and is still asleep in one of these, uh, you know, pods yeah. and who's going to wake up in White Plains, New York, and have two options. One, take a Greyhound home, or two, uh, be our merch girl. <laughs> <laughs> Be our merch girl, which really was nothing because there was no merch. <laughs> Be our merch girl. So, oh. so next thing you know, this lady comes out of the bathroom. She probably just urinated or put on some extra lipstick, right? But I'm like, dude, Miss Margaret just took a shit in there, right? <laughs> so this dude fucking pulls the bus over on the interstate, has lost his mind, jumps out of his seat, jumps on Miss Margaret, right? Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Starts literally choking this lady out on the floor, bro. I'm not joking. Miss Margaret's partner, Mr. Dan, right, who was the male karaoke guy, yeah. literally cannot bend over to help because he had a bad back, right? He had best posture I've ever seen. Yeah. I also think he had a rod in his back or maybe two rods. Yeah. But uh, could not bend down to help. So he was just like yelling. I'm like, should I get somebody to help? Should I not get somebody to help, bro? This is hella fucking exciting, right? It's midnight, and there's a fucking, the skinniest guy ever who hasn't slept in two and a half days choking on an adult woman who's selling hangover beverages and doing karaoke. I am dying. She's like, help, I need somebody, help. And I'm like, uh, where do I sign up for Riders on the Storm, right? Yeah. Can we do that song next? 
So finally, Abram comes from the back, right? Fucking and he's Abram. like, oh, this is good. He's fucking shoving corn nuts into his mouth, bro. He always had corn nuts. Literally throwing them, and he's like, oh, this is good. Fast forward anyway, uh, a half hour when the cops show up and everything, they're going to kick the driver out. They got to get rid of this kid. It's not, it's not safe, apparently. Yeah. So uh, they're like, drive to the next stop, and we're going to get a new driver in. So we get to the next stop, which was Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and my buddy Tim Beggy actually lived there. I know and Tim. He was on Road Rules. He was a Road Rules guy, and he had some shows on the Travel Channel for a while. Did um, he really? Yeah. Great host. Wait, how do I know Tim? I, I, he had uh, a show called Guts and Bolts or Nuts and Bolts. It was on the Travel Channel for a while, or on the History Channel, actually. And he did uh, very funny. He worked for... Shark Tank for a long time. He did um, another kid show. He was uh, he was the first guy that I thought the first guy that was like I'm gonna. He was probably the first generation of the guys that was like fuck this. I'm not going back to work. I'm gonna be in television. Yes. Yeah. And he succeeded. Yeah. He's very talented. Yeah. Talented dude. Successful. Good I buddy. Say of mine. I met him. I want to say I party with him one night, but I don't know. But yeah, he probably have. He used to do a show called. Uh, uh, Who was he really good for? He did a show with? on Fox Sports. Where he would travel to college shows around the country, college uh, towns around the country for football weekend. He did like the first show ever for that. Who was he really good friends with? Was it you? And that's who I met him through? Yep, yeah, it could have been. Okay, he, yeah. Yeah, he's one of my best friends. Yeah. So anyway, Tim was going to come pick me up in Pittsburgh because he lived there, right? So we get to Pittsburgh. We're at a Walmart or something in the middle of the night. This one, Walmart didn't stay open 24 hours. Yeah. And I asked the driver, I'm like, well, look, man, this is my last hurrah. I can't be associated with this shit anymore. I'm out too. Uh, I'm like, can you do just a thing for me, a big salute? Because like, a boat, a ship, sometimes will do a big circle whenever somebody dies or something. It's like yeah. a salute they do and pull the horn or whatever. Yeah. So I'm like, can you do that for me around this parking lot? He's like, sure, man, I'll do it for you. you know. Uh, so he literally dropped me off of this parking lot in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in the middle of the night. I'm waiting for Tim to come meet me. This bus is doing a big circle around me in the parking lot, right? Well, this fucking kid who hasn't slept in three days. Cuts it too close And Hair of the Dog The energy drink Had given us this trailer That you pull behind the bus That's full <laughs> of energy drink Right <laughs> So this dude is doing this yeah. In this parking lot He cuts it too close To turn The trailer Fucking jackknifes a little Bites into the back of the bus Like the edge oh, of the trailer shit. Yeah the thing is too long The hitch Yeah Swings around And literally Bites a chunk Had to be $60,000 worth of damage <laughs> Into the edge of this bus Right <laughs> Oh, and I just remember the bus pulling off in the distance <laughs> and I can see someone peeking out of the hole that was created by this huge bite that the trailer oh, it's like took the out. like the Titanic. Yeah, like, <laughs> and just like, oh, that's going to cost them. <laughs> oh, oh, that fucking, can I say this? Well, by the way, you just reminded me, I'm making sure that you can get out of here in time. You, okay, it's 25 minutes away. What time do you need to be there? One? Yeah, I need to leave in a minute. Okay, so we we're going to leave. Up. Yeah, like three minutes. Yeah. I just got to say this. That's the only time I ever worked for Bruno Murray was when me, you, and Brett Ernst. Oh, yeah, we did that special. We did a pilot. A fucking frat life or something. And and I, I've said this. So, this is the greatest. This was the – and you dealt with it perfectly because you literally had that same, like, shrug, roll your eyes attitude. We put an ad in the, in the fucking – in like the not the village voice but like on on craigslist going through a midlife crisis want to be involved in the tv show and we had 
We had a fucking Vietnam or a, a, an Iraqi vet with PTSD. Mm-hmm. We had that one guy who he just died. You heard about him? Yeah, he right? just died. He, and we had uh, we had a ninja. That one kid was like a ninja. Yeah, the one kid was a ninja, <laughs> and we it was the biggest clusterfuck of a show because it was like could have been great. Oh, it could have been great, but it was like I mean, it was just there were no holes barred. We stole the wrong goat. Yeah, we fucking remember we got strippers. <laughs> oh, and, uh, and last we got porn night stars. Was, one of those strippers in our porn star. I was at her birthday last night. Well, you still know her? Yeah, I still Which know one, her. Which one, the tall one? Uh, yeah, the tall one. Fuck! Oh, she was so fucking I was at her birthday up. last night at the parlor. Shut the fuck yeah, up! Bridget B. Bridget B is her name, the Brazilian bombshell. Bridget B., I'm going to Google her right as soon as you leave. Well, make sure the wife's not home. It's yeah. intense. <laughs> so wait, yeah, that, and, and we, do you remember the funniest part of that? There's a fucking nine million funny parts of it. But the funniest was when we played those women in football. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And they were like, and like Buna Murray would set it up, like set it up for, to be hilarious. Like they'd set it up like, so you guys will play. But they didn't realize the intensity with which we brought to every segment. Right. So like we did the, we did the fucking, they did, you're going to play football. So guys, we got football. The catch is it's women and the whole the payoff was going to be, they're so much better than us. They're in pads. They're killing us. But Brett Ernst had played college football, and he gave a fucking, literally a Lou Holtz, Bobby Bowden speech to the guys. He yeah. was, and, he was, and it was not TV friendly. He was like, I want these bitches on the <laughs> ground. You want to prove that fucking men are better than women? You prove it on the field. And literally, we were clotheslining bitches, just <laughs> And girls were like, this is not cool. I thought they knew what we were doing. There was no reality acting in it at all. We fucking destroyed those yeah. women. We carried the big guy off on, on our shoulders. You oh, remember yeah. that? He died. I he, think. Died. he died. He's dead. But we carried him off on his shoulders. And it was a rainy day, too. I can't believe I forgot all about yeah. Oh, that. yeah, dude. I remember that so good. Remember the first night we got these porn stars and we got strippers. That and party we got a, was the best. That was the best party I've ever been to. That and was we, the best. And a band that all they did was spit, to, spit whiskey in your mouth. Yeah. And and rip pillows and they'd rip pillows and have a pillow fight and all they wore was duct tape over their pussies and tits. Yeah, that was it. Just electrical tape, squares and squares. They were next to naked. We have porn stars. Everyone's making out with anyone except for me. And one guy comes up to me and he goes, "I think I think I just cheated on my wife." <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, and he like started falling apart. He's like, "Man, like I can't, I've only been doing this show for like fucking two hours. I think I just cheated on my wife." <laughs> Like, I was like, don't worry, man. Shit happens. And I'm smoking a cigar in those pajamas that we got oh, from yeah, the reality back. And then they're like, and then one of the porn stars goes, everyone in the pool. Yeah. And jumps off the fucking top deck into the pool. And everyone starts jumping 40 feet into this six-foot pool. Oh, fuck. That was so – I want – okay, I'm going to call fucking – We got to get footage of Who that. Who was that? Was that our guy – was that the same guys that you knew? No, yeah, I know some of those guys. Dude, see if you can get Jeff that Jenkins. pilot. I'm going to ask him. Jeff Jenkins at Bunnamore. Yeah. I'm going to ask hey, him. Hey, text. Sex. Let's get a hold of Jeff Jenkins. Put me in the I email. Will. I want that pilot. I want that pilot. Theo, I could fucking talk to you for hours, We're beyond man. the pilot, man. I, yeah, I want to come hang with you guys in Coco Diaz, man. I'm, I'm going to talk to Joey guy. later today. If they're coming over, I'll just text you. Come over. Yeah, be Okay. Great. Awesome, man. Dude, thanks so much, wait, wait, man. Do you, any, do you have anything to promote? Uh, just check out my Netflix special. I don't know when it's going to be coming out, but it's going to be on Netflix. It's called No Offense. Uh, we taped it down in New Orleans. And uh, and just, you know, follow me on social media, just Theo Vaughn, V-O-N. 
So, and thank you so much, man. I'm such a big fan. And dude, it's you know, I, I it's just, been a blast. I just love you, man. I think casual. You're one, of the, one of the best. You're one of the best guys I know. And now, literally, after seeing you the other night, one of the best comics I've seen in a long time, man. Thanks, I'm so. Man. I'm and not. I say I'm Crazy. proud of you, but there's no. I didn't do anything. But I'm well, proud but to you have inspire, seen you. Though, growth. You being a nice guy and a good comedian, I think, uh, inspires a lot of young comedians a lot more than than you know. You know. Oh, well, you just thanks. being willing, you know, being willing to. I always see you do it on Twitter. You know, you support your lo- whatever local guy you're working with and stuff like that. And I think that that goes a huge way with young comics. You know, not judging them, not being afraid to talk to them, and, and, and you know, hear their stories and stuff like that. That's huge, man. So you know what I'm saying? You do your part without even realizing it, man. Oh, fucking can't help it. You nice, nice piece you, of work. Love you too, man. Thanks. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.